0: All right, welcome back everyone. Here we are. We're episode 2 of the Avid Investor Podcast with me, your host Josh Adamak, and today, uh we're going to talk about the three types of investing in real estate, three different ways to to invest in real estate. So um, you'll hear from, you know, many different gurus, podcasts, you know, whatever, um, that there's all these different spin offs, the latest, greatest, um, you know, way to, uh, you know, buy and sell, invest in real estate. But it boils down to there's three basic ways to do it. So um, there's wholesale, there's retail, and then there's the long-term play, uh, the cash flow model. So uh the rental, the 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 lease model. Um, so to 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 dive into the each of those three aspects, it's um you know, I'm just gonna just gonna go into some of the basics here. So uh the way I got started, you know, full-time in real estate was was wholesaling. At the beginning of my career when I was working full-time, I was buying some rentals, uh, I'd buy a house, I'd fix it up, I'd rent it out. Um, you know, and I do that again and again and again, um, you know, when I, when I quit my full-time job and I went in in real estate, uh, had to produce some, some income, some, some revenue. So I started wholesaling, um, you know, and, and what that is, what wholesaling is, is basically controlling a property, getting equitable interest in a property, and then passing that that contract, selling that contract, releasing, assigning, you know, whatever you want to call it to um to another investor for a fee. Now there's there's rules and regulations that that you have to follow that go along with that. One, you got to have an equitable interest in the property. So you have to control the property. Uh, you have to one, either own the property or two, you know, have an equitable interest. And what that means is you have to have the property under under agreement, whether that's an option agreement or a sales agreement, um, you have to control that property. So so basically, you know, what we do when we're wholesaling is we send out a bunch of marketing, a bunch of flyers. Um, you know, we it, when I started, I was working, you know, dead leads from another investor wholesaler um but you know in order to start wholesaling obviously you have to have uh leads coming in so you know there's there's time associated with that there's cost associated with that um you know really a lot a lot of time so you know you're basically your job as the wholesaler is to find find the deals and provide the deals to uh, and the opportunities to, you know, buyers that, you know, want to work that strategy that want to buy that property type that want to that are looking for the flips or for for, um, you know, for the long term holds or whatever the case may be. So so basically, you know, as a wholesaler. You're going to do some marketing, uh, you know, whatever that marketing is. You're going to do, you're going to send out postcards. You're going to do bandit signs. You're going to do the Google AdWords. You're going to do the driving for dollars, uh, where you, you ride around, you know, you, you look for properties for sale or vacant properties, uh, talk to neighbors, all of which I've done. Um, you know, I've got deals from so many different sources, uh, so many different ways of marketing. I can't tell you that that one so one way is better than another. That you got to send out these mailers, or you got to do this door knocking, or you know, you got to do these Google AdWords, or you got to buy this, you know, um, you know this marketing platform, or create a click funnel, or you know, whatever the case may be. I can't tell you um, one strategy works because we've done them all. Um, some strategies work better in in some markets and sometimes and other strategies work better in different times. You know, right now, uh, you know, we're we're where what I feel is towards the top of a market cycle, which means, you know, there's a lot of people in the market, there's a lot of competition, and you know, as a wholesaler, you know, you have to be the first one to that seller. You got to find that seller that uh that, you know, needs to sell their property that that, uh, you know, wants to sell their property, has to sell their property. Uh, You know, when we're buying investment real estate, we're typically dealing with with motivated sellers. Um, So you got to get to those motivated sellers, what's the motivation, you know, motivation comes in many different forms, many different ways. Uh, Motivation could be, you know, the property wasn't inherited, uh, they don't want to deal with it they live out of state you know they're getting notices from the city or the borough that the property is not being maintained tax bills are coming due you know whatever the case may be you know there's a motivation to sell that property maybe they're maybe it's a, a pre-foreclosure um you know or or you know another circumstance you know they have to you know move out of town or moved out of town and no longer want to deal with that property burned out landlords, especially, you know, now with all this, uh, all these restrictions we have with the eviction moratorium and all this crazy stuff that's going on. Um, you know, there's an opportunity there for, you know, landlords that just don't want to deal with it anymore. So the key as a wholesaler is to get in front of those motivated sellers. Um, and, you know, negotiate a deal. And and what you do when you're wholesaling, obviously, you have to know all aspects of the business. I mean, a lot of people have the common misconception that, you know, wholesaling is an easy way to get started in the business, you know, that's, you know, all you got to do is find a property and then throw it out there and somebody will pay you three, five, $20,000 more than you have it under agreement for. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Um, because what you have to do as a wholesaler is you need to provide value uh to your buyers um you know you got to be the guy that's finding the deals that make sense not just not just you know locking up a property that's in a that's a crappy property in a crappy area that needs way too much work and you know think that somebody's going to you know pay you a a a whole lot more money than whatever price you have it under agreement for that's that's Totally wrong. Um, what you need to do is, yeah, you, ha- you you have to understand the the market. You have to understand, um, you know, street by street, uh, property by property. You got to be able to gauge the repairs, the renovation costs. You have to know all the transactional costs involved with real estate. If you're selling a flip a property that's going to be a flip, somebody's going to buy it, renovate it, and then resell it. You have to understand all the costs that are involved with with that. So. You know, oftentimes I see new wholesalers, uh, you know, people that are new to the game that don't understand all those transactional costs. They'll have a property that they're selling for a hundred grand, needs 50,000 in work, and it's worth 200,000. If those numbers are accurate, um, they'll say, oh, there's a $50,000 profit here. Well, no, there's not. I mean, that can't be anything further from the truth. You know, when you're, when you're rehabbing a property to sell it, um, you know, there's transactional costs when you buy, uh, there's holding costs, there's uh, closing costs on the back end. if you're financing it, there's cost of the money. If you're not financing it, you should still account for cost of the money because if you're using your own cash to do this renovation, I mean you you should be you know compensated for you know having your cash into that deal. In addition to you know the projected profit, so there's formulas, there's calculations that different people use. Maybe we'll get into that in more detail in in another another episode. Um, but but typically, you know, when when a rehabber is looking at a property, they want to be 65, 70 percent of the ARV less repairs. Um, simple math, you know, the, the 30, 35% accounts for some profit and some, some costs associated with the deal. So that's typical. That's like average, you know, obviously if you can do better, you do better. Um, but you know, as when you're wholesaling as a wholesaler, you want to make sure that you're providing value. So, um, you know, I see a lot of people get into wholesaling and they think they got to build this giant buyers list where they got, you know, 5000 emails or whatever, and they're going to send this list, send it out. Um, they're going to put it in the uh, the social media groups, the, the Facebook pages or whatever, and um, they're going to market their property and they're going to sell it um you know and that works uh you know you can you can you can secure a property and you can market it and you can find a buyer um but i've seen a lot of uh very successful wholesalers that really only have a handful of buyers and it's more so you know like sort of like reverse um uh uh wholesaling if you want to call it i'm not throwing any crazy names on it or anything like that any uh any new you know trendy terminology or anything like that but you know as i said i know i know a number of wholesalers that only work with a handful of buyers and they know what those buyers look for and they go out and find those properties and they know when those buyers are ready going to be ready for another project or ready for another property they've got one lined up ready to go so um you know as a wholesaler you want to make sure that that you're, you're, you know, finding solid deals, that you're putting them out at fair prices, that you're, um, you know, not overpricing your stuff. That you're doing proper due diligence. Um, you know, because it, it's a long-term play. You know, if you if you become that wholesaler that that locks up good deals at good numbers and doesn't try to kill you know your end buyer on a fee and leave them with a slim margin, they're going to keep coming back to you and buying more and more and more. Um, so you know, that's the first way to invest in real estate is is wholesaling. Uh, the second way um, is is investing. You know retailing, flipping, rehabbing, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, that's that's basically, you know, when you buy a property, whether you find it off-market, you buy it off the MLS, you buy it from a wholesaler, wherever, you're going to buy a distressed property, you're going to spend some time, money, energy, aggravation, uh, rehabbing that property, doing a full renovation, then you're going to put it back out, out on the market and sell it you know, to a, and a back end uh, retail buyer. So common, you know, common terminology for that is flipping, you know, flipping a house. I don't like that. I don't like that term. You know, it's it's become very common uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, but, you know, early on when I started, you know, flipping houses was, was associated with, with flipping mortgages, which was, you know, an illegal transaction, uh, you know, and and a lot of people, you know, got in a lot, a lot of trouble, you know, in back in 2007, 2008, 2009, um, for doing some, some, you know, unethical things and illegal transactions, uh, with, with flipping mortgages. So, um, that kind of went away. And then, you know, the the flipping houses became I'm, I'm gonna flip a house. Let's go flip a house. That's that's the terminology that's used now. So if you want to be a flipper, rehabber, you know, retailer, whatever you want to call it, that's basically you buy a house, you fix it up, and then you sell it. Um, with flipping a house, uh, there's there's risk involved with that, depending on the the price point, the back end price point you know determines uh you know your level of risk. So if you're in the lower price points, uh what I consider lower price points in the Pittsburgh market, median price points, you know, if you're going to buy this house and you're going to resell it retail in the 100 150 200,000 price point, um that's fine, you know, that works. Uh that's a good place to be in the Pittsburgh market. but uh, Bonus with that, benefit with that is if the house doesn't sell, if you go if you go way over on your rehab or you fix something wrong or you picked the wrong area or something, you got multiple exit strategies. You can always, you know, back um, you can always refinance that property or, you know, leave your cash in it or however you financed it. You can always, um, you know, rent that property out and cover your cost. But when you get up into the higher price points, the 300s, 400s, 500s, upwards of a million bucks you got one choice with that house and that's to sell it. So, um, you know, and we do have a market right now in Pittsburgh for, you know, those higher price points, that half million to million dollar plus price points. The market's good right now. Uh, but again, like nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows how long or the the, the market is going to continue. Um, we all know, you know, many of us know market cycles. Historically, you know, the market corrects every 12 to 14 years. Our last correction was in 2008. So do the math. Um, we're due for a correction historically. Um, you know, we're due for a correction. We all thought COVID was going to be the correction. Little did we know that that COVID was actually going to uh, skyrocket, you know, catapult the market and it would continue to rise. So, you know, many of us, uh, many, many folks in the industry are very happy, you know, where we're at in the market right now. Um, for you know, as far as uh, agents, um, uh, realtors, uh, agents, uh, investors, developers, builders, you know, the market's good right now. Our lenders are happy. you know, banks are still lending. so we're still in a very strong, very good market for you know, selling homes, retail, and flipping homes. Um, you know the 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 third strategy, which is my favorite, my go to uh, right now is just the long term plays, uh, long term plays. so, what we do is, you know, we buy, you know, we, we operate under a private equity model. When I say we, it's my company Avid Management Group. Uh, we operate under a private equity model, where we basically, you know, build portfolios of single family homes. And um, you know, our focus is safety and security, uh, regular houses, regular neighborhoods. And when I say that, you know, it's just median price points in and around the Pittsburgh market. So we buy a lot of homes, you know, your typical, you know, 1950s brick ranch, two story, um, you know, something that's not too old, you know, fifties built house has a real foundation, you know, uh, square footage isn't crazy. It's not the big old Victorian. So, you know, the turn cost is, um, you know, is digestible. Um, you know, the, uh, the renovations, uh, you know, you can, you can, um, we can handle the renovations uh, efficiently in the 50s houses, you know, we're not dealing with knob and tube wiring, we're not dealing with, you know, old sandstone foundations and, you know, asbestos and all that stuff that's, um, that's, that's common, you know, very common in Pittsburgh, especially in the older housing stock, you know, if, if you're listening from, you know, out of the area, the Pittsburgh market, you know, a lot of our housing stock was built in the early 1900s. So, you know, I have a lot of friends that uh, that invest in are very heavily invested in, you know, Phoenix, Arizona and those areas. Well, you know, to them, an old home was built in the 80s. And like to us in Pittsburgh, it's like if we can get something in the 70s or 80s, it's like brand new. Um you know so so it's you know different markets different strategies but you know for us it's the long-term play and when i say long-term play um you know like i said we build we 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 buy uh and, and build portfolios of single-family homes uh our preferred exit strategy uh with those is we place residents on a lease option type program a lot of people do straight rentals uh we prefer the lease option model Uh, because we're providing, you know, our residents with the opportunity to own a home at some point. Um, You know, they'll live there under a lease agreement. They'll have the opportunity, the option uh, to purchase the home at a predetermined price within a set period of time. It's an option, not an obligation. Uh, That's our strategy. Uh, That's what we do. I know a lot of folks, um, a lot of other companies, a lot of other investors just do a straight rental model. Um, We do do some, rentals, some single family homes. Um, you know, we don't do many multifamilies. We have a couple of duplexes in portfolio. Uh, in years past, I've had uh, some small apartment buildings, uh, quickly found out, um, you know, as as our business grew and progressed, single family homes is where we wanna be. Um, you know, like I said, regular houses, regular neighborhoods, uh, you know, that's the long-term play. Uh, so to sum it up, the three ways to invest in real estate is wholesale, retail, and long-term plays. Um, you know, there's many different, many different spin-offs from that. You know, uh, there's the um there's the 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 Airbnbs. That's was becoming a popular thing. I don't know if that's starting to go away now or not. Um Airbnbs was big for a while. Now there's like that, um, as far as the rentals, there's the burr uh investing, which um, you know, is is I think it's buy uh rehab uh re- rent and then refinance so i think there's three r's on that you know that's basically you know what uh what myself and a lot of people were doing many many years ago we would just buy fix it up and go to the bank and refinance it so now there's a cool terminology for it i'm sure there's some gurus out there selling courses uh that teach you how to do it but it's basically you buy a house up you fix it up you go to the bank and you refinance it um you know, as far as acquisitions, uh, there's many different ways to finance investment properties, um, under the re under the rehab model, the retail, the flip model, or the, uh, the long-term play there's traditional bank financing, you know, of course, as long as as banks are financing properties, of course, there's the cash model, uh, depending on, you know, how deep your pockets are. Um, what we do at ad management group is we operate under a private equity model. So, um, what we do is we we work one-on-one with private and institutional investors to create and manage portfolios. So um, we do it on the long-term play focused on safety and security. And, um, you know, that uh, our model allows our investment partners to uh, own real estate, to get all the benefits uh, that go along with owning real estate. Uh, well, our company does all... The work involved with real estate, so um, you know, don't let it, uh, don't let anybody fool you. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking to invest in real estate, if you're looking to be an active investor, uh, whether you're going to do wholesaling or rehabbing or the long term plays there's work involved. I mean, you know, there's, there's definitely work. There's, there's, um, you know, a lot of ins and outs as far as acquiring the properties, as far as managing the, the, the renovation, the placing the residents, or, you know, uh, working towards a sale, if you're going to flip it, if you're going to retail it, um, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces. So, um, you know, I hear, uh, over the years, I've heard I've I've heard countless countless speakers, um, you know, at, at different events where they're pitching a course, uh, you know, they're selling a product or you know, there's the podcast or whatever that say, you know, do this in your underwear from home. Well, I, you know, good luck with that. So, um, you know, if you if you were looking to be a passive investor, which means you're the investment partner, you're the money guy. I mean, there's passive opportunities out there in real estate, but if you're on the active side and and in a later episode we're going to deal we're going to dive into the difference between active investors and passive investors, but if you're an active investor, it's a job, it's a business. I mean, sure, you know, you build up the portfolio, you build up the the cash flow, you build up the residuals if you're looking at the at the long-term play. Um It's looked at as a passive investment, but somebody still has to manage the portfolio and, you know, has to take the calls from the residents, has to fill the properties, has to do all the accounting, the bookkeeping, everything that uh, that is associated uh, with owning investment real estate. Um, So I know I bounced around uh, a lot of different points, but you know, in this episode, just want to dive into the details of, you know, or the, not the details, the high level overview of the three different types of investment real estate. And just to wrap it up one more time, that's wholesaling, retailing, and long-term plays. And that's it. You know, we're just, uh, like I said, in these episodes, in these podcasts, we're going to keep it brief. Uh, I just want to get you guys some content, provide some value here. And, uh, you know, we're just going to wrap it up. We're going to move on to the onto the next episode, the next topic. So that's it. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great day.